go to the moon. My movement and my mental kept my wins low, yeah, I'm supposed to prove how copping a fill on greatness helped me imprison the notable opposition that's trying to spark with my vision. I'm wine Asian, later low, I show call with time, it's like emotional, been coachable and learn from my old heads. I treat being amazing like an emergency code red, can raise your name and pimp the game and not keep that whole fed. My first book was to come up, the sequel reeks of the Monet like Ghost Kid, I paved the way. On top of that, I laid a gravel path, very generational curses to that, I raised the glass, grew a you are now tuned in to DAR Media, the wrestling podcast for people who go outside. This week, we've got the Collider Commune. We've got All Out coming in and some review of All In. It's... <laughs> Why is this every single week? Every single week when we record, there's something new if not multiple new things. There needs to be some sort of large study on the chemistry of the group, of the people who came together, of the leadership involved, of their backgrounds. Like, how is it every fucking week? There's something new or multiple new things. One thing I would guess, and I'm probably a lot of people are thinking, is there was lots of fucking bullshit back in the day, territories, WWF, WCW. It just was people, not everybody was allowed backstage. It all wasn't out in the news. There wasn't social media. There wasn't cameras everywhere. There were no, you know, you always hear uh, the wrestlers on Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, we're real lucky that, you know, everybody didn't have phone cameras back then. So I has to be a part of it. Um, but still, God fucking damn. Um, I guess we'll start off with the thing that had the most discourse at the beginning of the week. All in. Jack Perry, CM Punk. I, like I've said, and we've talked about it a little bit. Um, so, you know, we've been always and will continue to be extremely pro-punk on this podcast. Um Oh, I'm pro everybody. It's just, I guess, my background and True's background and the way we perceive things like this aligns more with the way Punk sees it. Um, but on this one, I will say, I've, and you know, emotions take over. I understand that. Personally, personally, if I had been Punk in that situation, given all the things that have happened, when Jack Perry went into business up for himself on the biggest fucking show of all time for AEW, right into the camera to try and needle somebody and start some shit, I would have looked at Tony, if I was punk, thrown my hands up and said, you better fucking handle that or I'm going to handle it. But that, because from what we've been told, everybody was all there kind of in the same area. This would have been possible. We know Tony saw it. We know punk saw it. That's the time when you look at him, you say, you better fucking take care of that or we're going to have yep. fucking problems. What are we doing here? That's the way I would have advised. That's the way I would have taken care of it. Um, it's not the way it went. And overall, from what we've heard and what we saw, personally, okay, things got physical. Perhaps suspend Punk after he works, collision in all all out and drops that belt to Ricky after those things suspend him. If you must 
I think Jack Perry should have been fired on the fucking spot. You want to do some empty-headed, dumb fuck bullshit like that on our fucking show, on our biggest show, and try to start some more shit with our biggest fucking draw? And I'm not saying, this used to happen a lot back in the WWF, where somebody would get fired, get the fuck out of here to make a point, and they would come back six months later, seven, eight months later, whatever. It was a fucking stupid, childish, incredibly fucking selfish thing to do. It's the biggest fucking show. It's the biggest fucking show. What the fuck are you doing? Should have been fired, or you know, if if he ain't got the if he ain't got the heart for that, um, suspended for a long fucking time. Um, to me, given that we've heard that Punk is very frustrated with the overall situation, that he's trying to help this company, that he wants this company to break into new areas of of making money, has already helped them do that. Yep. Top rate of rampage, top buy rate for a pay per view. Single night merch record, current leading merch seller, all punk. He's already helping them do that. Why the fuck every so many people in this company are against him, trying to isolate him, trying to start shit with him? I I, I get the frustration. Tony Khan, as of now, not cutting to the heart of this and sending a very clear message. Is is a is a failure directly upon him. Sorry, I agree. It is what it is. TK, we've said it a billion times. And I still feel this way. He seems like an awesome guy. Probably, I would fucking probably love working for him. But as an unbiased observer, just saying what it is is not cutting to the heart of this and making a big fucking statement right out is a failure of leadership. I agree. Um. I think the problem with, with 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 this situation is, you know, Tony's the 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 fun boss. You know, I, I think that that is who he is. He is uh, a boss who you guys can have parties together. You guys can hang out and you know do these different things. And I, and I think in some ways that's an endearing quality of Tony's. But uh, in another way, it, it you know kind of makes things a little harder for. For people to maybe take him seriously as a boss, uh, is that you know you got this guy who is, uh, you know like oh he's such a great boss he's such a great friend and blah 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 and oh, like and all that's probably true you know like I said I I don't have the thing is from his perspective because but... I've been a lot of the same way as a leader and as a boss then that's when he needs to turn around and look at that guy and say, then why, if I'm your fucking friend, why are you putting me in this position over and over and over and over? Right? Well, that's what you say in that situation. I agree. But I also think a lot of this stems from the fact that adults aren't adults in this business a lot of times. And there's a ton of people who could benefit in my mind, from sitting down, communicating with each other. And I think that would be, uh, uh, you know, I think that would change a lot if it were to happen. But a lot of people don't want to sit down and don't want to have conversation. They don't want to be adults about things. And unfortunately, when you have that, there's not much you can do. You know, it's just not much you can do. And, you know, I, I truly feel like 
there is an opportunity and a chance for uh, AEW to come out of this rut that they've kind of been in recently. Um, but you need you need your guys to work with you. You know, uh, you need your your top stars to all be on the same page, even if they don't agree with each other all the time. Everybody, like it's a collaborative effort, you know. And these guys are not working together in the way that you would think they would or they should. And uh, it's unfortunate, but Tony's not an Iron Fist ruler. If he was, none of this shit would be happening. So you don't, um, don't got to be an Iron Fist ruler to fucking to for accountability for a fucking family. Families have accountability for a team. Teams have accountability. It, I think in this case he might need to be because wrestlers are are fiercely fiercely annoying for one, um, and a lot of times they just it's just a lot of stuff that just doesn't doesn't make sense in professional wrestling and AEW is no different, but I think Tony wants AEW to be different, and unfortunately, when you have those type of situations. You, you you can't have everything be different. You yeah, know, you can't it's different, all right, different. because they're the only place that we're hearing about this ridiculous fucking bullshit happening every single fucking week. It's, it's different in that yeah. way. It's true. You don't hear this shit happening anywhere else. Doesn't That's mean it's a, not happening. I mean, but that in and of itself is happens. a layer of the bullshit here. Is it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It definitely does happen, but we don't fucking hear all about it. And that's, like I said, that's just the thing for me that just, uh, it changes everything. You know, when you look at, you know, all the stuff that's going on and all the um, the drama. And it's like, WWE has drama too, you know? Like, a lot of stories just don't make it out because WWE pays good money to keep those stories from coming out. So, you know, I think that's, that's really what it is. You know, WWE has a lot of media on lock to keep those stories, you know, kind of keep those stories in. And 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 they also put, you know, they also put stories out there about AEW that's not entirely true. It's another thing people don't know. And, I mean, you can guess it, obviously. A lot of people don't know. WWE is very fucking underhanded. And they will always be underhanded. Because that's who they are as a company. So I think you have this situation where where like AEW's fighting themselves and the competition privately and publicly. So what you have to do is have discernment to understand what is the best way to handle this. You have to bear down. You have to be a leader. You have to rule with the iron fist in a situation where you've got everybody coming at you from different angles. You can't trust half the people. <laughs> you can't trust half of these people in the fucking first place. And so a lot of wrestlers also, I've said this before, says wrestlers need to shut the fuck up. That's another one. Stop going in your DMs to Sean Ross Sapp, Nick Houseman, to Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez, and this is not any particular wrestlers, just just all the wrestlers who do this. Stop going to them though and telling them your gripes and your and your problems because they can't help you. You know what can help you? 
talking to the people you work with, communicating with the people around you. You're telling people who are going to put it out to all the world to see. It's just not a feasible thing. It's not smart. It doesn't make sense. And just, it's just not good. You know, it's just not good. And I don't think, I don't think AEW has leadership to step up and say, fuck all of this shit. This is what we need to do. And let's do it. It's just, it's a, it's a way of like, Hey, everything's okay. You have to be okay with this, right? If it doesn't work out, that's all right. That doesn't work. That's never worked. When in history has shit like that ever worked? Doesn't work. So I I think eventually AEW will write their ship. Whether or not Punk's there for that, I don't know. Um, I think two backstage fights. You know, I think Eddie Kingston's had two. uh, One of which everyone knows about. I think one maybe you don't know about. Um, So maybe three, actually. Um, But Eddie Kingston gets the benefit of the doubt, right? Oh, that's just Eddie, man. That's how he is. But you love Eddie. You love Eddie Kingston who calls everybody a piece of shit, this, that, this, that, the other, this, that, the other. He says what he's on his mind. You like Maxwell Jacob Friedman because most of the time he's spewing whatever he wants and says whatever the fuck he feels. Andrade went online and told Sammy, if I see you, I'm going to slap you. Went to the show and slapped the motherfucker. I mean, AW <laughs> had chances to keep them apart and have them talk, talk to them beforehand. They didn't do that shit. So it's like, even that, you could have prevented that. You did not. Why didn't you do that? That's the question. AEW does not have leadership. They had leadership. None of this would be happening. I fully believe none of this would be happening if they had the right leadership. And they just don't right now. So, you know, it is what it is. Well, hope uh, hope our number score of certain Twitter posters stays low and maybe we'll, we'll get some, uh, some reckon heads, um, some, some, some resolution here for this weekend, because that to me too, like, you know, spend punk. I, how are you not just fucking over your, your viewing, your viewing audience, your paying audience by, by immediately suspending them. Like, okay, if you don't approve of actions and of his actions and he is, worthy of being suspended then have them work so you don't fuck over your paying audience this weekend in chicago and on pay-per-view your back-to-back pay-per-views and then start suspension a, a week from monday like okay you know people will be out there and they'll be technical well s- suspended pending investigation investigating fucking what tony was sitting right there there's nothing to investigate there's nothing to investigate so They're what are we talking about dragging don't us come on. at me with that bullshit stop if, if you want I had to, to be honest, yeah. If I had to be honest, I don't think Tony wanted to suspend to spend him at all. I don't think he wanted to suspend him at all. I don't even think the suspension is really the issue. I think, honestly, the real issue here is whether or not CM Punk. Wants to be a part of this. And whether or not, you know. I mean. 
So it's probably more of a case of Perry is suspended because that was some fucking bullshit. Yeah. Punk is I think, I think, quote unquote suspended because they're really giving him some time to fucking cool off before they readdress whether he even wants to keep doing this or not. So it and sounds which like. is which I think is fair because it's like if everywhere I turned, people that work for the company that I work for are fucking with me, are annoying me, pissing me off. On purpose. I, with the with the yeah. intent of antagonizing you, yeah. Trying to get under my skin, doing, telling people, let's, let's, I mean, it's been talked about, so let's confirm this. Jack Perry was going around and telling people that he was going to do this. And he planned for it. How do you not, how the fuck do you not fire the guy? After that's become clear. Back in the day, Tito well, Santana was going to keep fucking around with Hulk Hogan and did some shit purposely to antagonize him and then went back during WrestleMania and then went in the back and confronted him. You don't think he would have been fucking fired on the spot? What are you doing? It's ridiculous, isn't it? So. Uh, but like I said, I think, like I said, this 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 situation, it put a slight dark cloud over... Um, over the um the whole all-in weekend and it shouldn't have and i think that's the problem you know another reason fire this fucking guy what the fuck because you're right that stadium looked fucking amazing the show was great everything went off the way it looked you know, the fucking pyro, the entrances, the everything. It was a fucking 10 out of 10. And what the fuck is all anybody talking about all the beginning of the week? Some shit that Jack Perry initiated, planned on, and started on fucking purpose. What the fuck? It's ridiculous, man. Absolutely ridiculous. But did you did you enjoy the show? Um 70% of it, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think Punk and Joe is great. Uh, great opening match. Like, I think there was probably no better match to open it because I think the elite match opening would have been cool, but it's just something about your biggest draw opening a show. For one, it shows selflessness because most big draws would want to go cl- out closer to the end uh, or main event. And then on top of that, you know, and I'll say the same thing for the elite too. All those guys going, you know, all first. Yeah. Like I thought that was a great, you know, I, I thought that was great because you're giving your most popular acts, uh, well, some of your most popular acts in in the beginning. I think Punk Joe was awesome. I thought the elite versus you know, BC, BC Gold, um, and Takesha was was really good. You know, I thought. FTR versus the Bucks was really, really fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And Stadium Stampede surprised the fuck out of me because I enjoyed the hell out of that. I think after that point, it was still good, but it was something was missing. I had a fucking blast during a swerve. Another that's another one. But I didn't necessarily the trios match wasn't the best. 
Um, the trios title match wasn't the best to me. I, I, I was kind of disappointed in, with that. I was kind of disappointed in that decision too. Yeah, I, I didn't think that was a good idea to to take the belts off House of Black. So, um, because the the issue since we're there, I had a little segment on this, but since we're there, um, the issue with me is it's just kind of like if, if House of Black isn't there to put on fucking dope six mans while defending the trios belts, then like what are they doing? You know, like yeah. that's that's you could have done a thousand other things with the acclaimed, and especially with with. Uh, sorry, like should we have should we really have in the year twenty twenty three coming up on twenty twenty four should we really have Billy Gunn featured more than the fucking House of Black like, and so my thing is is like, if they have plans, they have plans for you know to push Brody to to push Buddy to push Malachi singles belts do something else with them okay that's kind of always my question with that and where they're setting to drop the belts maybe is okay so what's next for them what is the plan for them and i'm sorry much as we both love the company sometimes the answer to that is not very solid sometimes there is no plan it seems like a lot and so that's my concern well i just want to say House of Black deserved better. Um, they had a janky run anyway, although they did beat the Elite in CMFTR, which is great. But the Andrade story, we never got finished. You know, finished. There's nothing that just got halted for a while. I think I know why they halted it. Um, but I didn't like the Acclaim winning in trios titles. I think the Acclaim and Billy Gunn winning trios. Like, I hate that that story was used just to get Billy Gunn back to... Ah, uh, he's back. He could retire and it'd be fine. It'd totally be fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. he he, you know, he's not he's, he still can go out, he can go still go out there and perform, but it's like why you know, they've already won the tag team titles last year <clears throat> around this time. They want to take titles in Grand Slam. And here we are approaching Grand Slam again, and it's like, oh, we're back to this again. I think I won't say AW has evolved beyond the need to push the acclaimed itself. But I think they have evolved past the need to give them a random title run because their momentum now is not what it was last year. Last year was not even expected. And I think that's what it is, is that AW is just like, okay, these are our guys, our go-to guys, and we're just going to go with them. But sometimes that doesn't always work. And if I had to use an example, although it ended up working out in the end, it's like when Moxley and Danielson – uh, fought each other at Grand Slam, you know, last year, and to determine who was a champion, and it was a, you know, it was a good match, and Moxley won, but it was like Moxley just came from losing to Punk, and a lot of people felt deflated, and then that whole run with MJF versus Moxley going into full gear last year, it felt flat to me for the most part, and they added the Regal stuff in, and it's just like I feel like. For some reason, the last two years, and it, it could be, you know, because Punk has his own things and all the stuff like that. But last year, I felt the all out after all out through full gear and a little bit after that, too, felt real flat in AEW for me. And um, I think also there's a couple of couple of things to me that right now feel flat. And I think if Punk and Ricky Starks were set to fight at All Out, I don't 
can't confirm or deny that they were. But if they were, I feel like that's a disappointment to me because we just saw them fight twice already in big matches. And so I feel like an issue with AEW for me is that there's a ton of rematches. House of Black beat the acclaimed and Billy Gunn already, didn't they? Before, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So it's like, why we keep doing these rematches? And that's the one thing, I, that was the one gripe I had. I said, I didn't mind Omega, Hangman, and Obushi teaming together against BC Gold and Takeshita because it felt like a fresher match. You know, we don't see a Hangman and Jay White hang, uh, get, you know, get it on like that. We don't see Takeshita and Hangman go at each other. Kenny doesn't interact with these guys like that. So it was fresh. FTR and Bucks, we've only seen it three, you know, three times now. It felt a little more fresh. Um, but like in the swerve, like the swerve and then you know, staying Darby and all that, that felt fresh. Those are matches where it's like, that's why I love AEW, because you're giving us fresher matchups and stuff that's like, I wouldn't have even thought about Darby and Sting versus Christian and Swerve. That would have never even, I would like a year ago. I would have, I would have been like, well, we eventually get to Swerve and Darby, but I wouldn't have thought you had Christian with Swerve with Sting. You talking about like two, you know, like stars in their own right in terms of Swerve and Darby in the making, and then you have two legends in their own right with Sting, one of the greatest legends of all time, and Christian, who's a legend. That's a fucking amazing matchup, and it's a coffin match. Would have never guessed. So I think with Punk, Punk versus Joe. Was slight disappointing for me because, uh, like initially before the match, because I was like, man, we just saw Punk and Joe and the fucking you know Owen. I'm like, I want like Punk coming back to me was hey, there's a shit ton of talent that he can work with yeah. that aren't just that aren't just elite people. You know, just you know, like he he might not work with Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor, but I don't want to work them motherfuckers anyway. Uh, he might not work with Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I don't really care about that either. You know, like I don't care about these people and working with these people. I do, however, care about maybe saying a Punk versus eventually Orange Cassidy. I would like to see how that would turn out. I would like to see Punk go against uh, Danielson. I would like to see Punk go against Swerve for sure because we saw they had you know a little interaction in the match. Like, there's so much you can do with Punk, and I think. AEW sometimes sticks to their guns too much, and they need to also branch out and do something different. Obviously, the end game for everybody that cares about AEW will be Punk and FTR versus the Elite, which I don't think that's happening uh, anytime soon. Maybe if you know cooler heads prevail and things will work themselves out, maybe like a year from now, maybe an all-in 2024. Maybe we'll find a way to slowly build to that because that's the match that you probably need if you want to fill an 80,000 seat stadium again. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I think All In was good, but the one match that did annoy me a little bit was the main event of All In. Yeah, I was gonna ask, I was gonna, I was gonna cap this off. So, thoughts on the main event? The first 10, 15, 20 minutes. Good action. Not as good as their DC match that I was live for. Um, I thought that yeah. match was that was that was fucking phenomenal. Being yeah. live, yeah. being there live was fucking like I was like on the edge of my seat. I'm like, we, we everybody I'm around in the in, in the seats and like, yo, this is fucking crazy, bro. So I love that. However, <laughs> this match 
was like, and I, I, I heard people say Adam Cole and MGF is like WW, uh, like the AW version of the Bloodline story, where it's like they finally got some melodramatic shit that people could tap into. And I was like, hey, MJF and melodramatic and dramatic storylines, that's kind of his bag. It's kind of his thing. The Jericho storyline was so fucking long-winded, but it was melodramatic. The punk thing, so many different layers. Uh, even with the Regal stuff, with, with, with Moxley and all that, and Danielson, that's what he does. This works, but it's nearing not working because of just that ending itself. And also what we got coming up tomorrow, which don't really want to see that, but I'll get to that uh, in a second. But like, so I think, I think, I think the end goal with this story it seems like Max and Cole are going to eventually have another match because, and and also it seems that Roderick Strong is also going to get a title shot at Grand Slam, if I had to guess. Um, I'm not a fan of that. I'd rather see Cole and Roderick go at it as two, you know, friends who have their own issues and shit. And I definitely don't think Ryder Sean needs a world title shot um, right now, even though he's been great in this role with this fucking neck brace that he wears every single place, including Dunkin' Donuts, uh, which apparently somebody somebody I know saw him at Dunkin' Donuts wearing the neck brace, which is kayfabe does not exist very much. Um, but it still exists in Ryder Sean's world, so I appreciate him for that. However, I don't think this match needed Roderick Strong coming back out I don't think it needed him trying to help Adam Cole win. And I don't think Adam Cole, like, it's just too dramatic, but it didn't go over well. Um, they should have cut it down a little bit. And they should have made it a little different. If they would have did that, I think it would have been great. But because they didn't do that, um, yeah, I, I was disappointed in that. I think the problem with catching lightning in the bottle is that most promotions don't know what to do with it. And I think AEW does not know what to do now with this story. Because if you watch Rampage last night, you will know that Maxwell Jacob Friedman is not defending his world championship on All Out. Instead, Maxwell Jacob Friedman and Adam Cole are defending their Ring of Honor tag team championships against... The fucking Dark Order. Now, as a match, I'm sure this will be great. Take nothing away from John John Silver, Alex Reynolds. They can go in the ring. That's cool. My question is, why are these nepotism hires and, and, and people who've been kept for nepotism reasons why are these people getting title shots? What has the Dark Order done to earn a fucking title shot? They've been on Ring of Honor, which I don't really watch. But the kingdom was right there. You're continuing the story. Have the kingdom win the Battle Royal. They weren't even in the Battle Royal. Win and fight MJF and Adam Cole. For one, I think the kingdom could put on a better match with MJF and Adam Cole than Dark Order probably will. And then two, it continues the story. 
that you're literally fucking telling with Roderick Strong. If you don't do this match at a place like All Out, you're dragging it on too long. And that's where we're in, entering that territory. And that was one of the things that we, were, that we were bringing up. Like, oh, well, at least maybe there'll be a little bit of continuity. You have an opportunity for continuity between the two shows um, to put them in back-to-back weekends. It's like the only positive of it. And they, unless I'm forgetting something, aren't doing anything with it. Like there's no – I don't think Soraya's defending the belt on the show, is she? Mm, not to my knowledge. Okay, so there's – and, you know, that that might be get worked out tonight because the Outcasts are in a six-lady tag with a Brit, Hikaru, and a Stat. So maybe that gets added. But, like, you know, we had kind of guessed, and I had kind of said on the last one, like maybe you do a, a hometown pop title win for Soraya, you know, and then obviously I don't think that any of us – and maybe we're wrong. I don't know if any of us think that – she has like a long title run in her or people have the appetite for that right now. So that, okay. Give her the hometown. She only, pop. She'll go on to the next show, drop it in Chicago, probably to Tony storm. Cause Tony storm's still hot right now. There's none of that. And then you do this where you do all this stuff with Adam Cole and them on all in. And then you randomly just throw the dark order into this match when you have the kingdom right there. So like they are not taking advantage of any of that continuity that we talked about. That was possible with these two shows. So I'll say this because this is important. So the one thing that I don't like about this entire story as it has as gone on with the Soraya thing, I'm going to paint a brief picture for you. January 11th of this year, Soraya was in the L.A. Forum, from Kia Forum in L.A., she needed a tag team partner. Her tag team partner ends up being Tony Storm. We knew for a fact that it wasn't initially supposed to be her tag team partner. Spoiler alert, although we all know this, Mercedes Monet verbally supposed to be Soraya's tag team partner. So that's one thing. And now, at All In, Mercedes Monet was shown on television, on the on the on the screen several times. So I can't help but wonder. We're gonna get a little here. apparent ski. Yeah. Is I can I can say that Tony Khan on his media call yesterday said. He absolutely wants Mercedes Monet to be on the Wrestle Dream pay-per-view, which is in October, next month. If I had to guess, I'd say Mercedes Monet is working everyone by wearing her boot out to all in. I believe Mercedes Monet will be cleared by the end of this month and will have some type of role in Wrestle Dream and have a role at Full Gear. But this begs the question, if you remember, Mercedes Monet said she wanted world domination. She's conquered Japan already. She's already conquered the WWE. I believe Mercedes Monet 
is the one who will end up ending Soraya's title reign. In L.A., which is basically her hometown, California, at full gear. One, because this match, unfortunately, the reports are true. This match, Soraya versus Mercedes Monet, was tapped to happen at Forbidden Door. I don't know what match was tapped to happen and all in for her if she didn't get hurt. But I believe that if something would have happened, either Jamie Hayter would have been Forbidden Door, Soraya would have been in the UK, or something. Something. Somebody, one of these things would have happened. So I believe Tony Storm should have, should have never really lost her title, but I'm glad she did because now we got this great character. But if she never lost her title, um, you know, I, I think Tony Storm would be a great choice. But Sheeta also. Another great choice to be champion. All these people are greater choices than Soraya. Let's point that part out. All better choices than Soraya. So I think, like I said, I think there's something there, you know, something to speak about with Soraya uh, and Mercedes Monet. I think that's the end game. So I don't think she'll be on the card for All Out Wrestling because she's wrestling the night before. On collision. And also, another thing to be fair, I don't believe Tony Khan is going to put two women's matches on the all out card. So, that's that's what I believe is going to happen. I believe that's the plan. I believe that's happening. I believe you'll just get Statlander and Ruby Soho at all out. And you won't see Soraya wrestle for like another month. <laughs> so um, buckle up for what should be a terrible fucking. Uh, you might, I mean, maybe on, was it like the buy-in? You might see Soraya go against Sky Blue. Because we're talking about hometown heroes. She's in Chicago. But Soraya might make quick work of her or something like that. Um, but I don't see Soraya wrestling very much. And I think. She's only holding the title at best till full gear. And I think it's just so she can drop it to Mercedes. And then from there, if Mercedes becomes the AEW Women's Champion, I think that becomes a good time. Or or alternate, if if Mercedes Monet is not the one to break or beat her, another wild card to think about that could show up at some point. Maybe she shows up at the end of Statlander or Soho's. Maybe she goes after the quote-unquote outcast since they're about to break up. Jay Cargill is due back any moment now. Is she? So you uh, so, got thoughts that that's, uh, that's going to happen. I, I, I shouldn't. Well, uh, let me let me, let me me rephrase that. Uh, she should be due back any moment now. Um, not that I have any, any intel on this or know anything. Mm. Um, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, so she should be due back any moment. So I think Jay Cargo will, will be back soon. And if I had to guess, I think she should be a babyface this time around because I think there's some money in that. I think Mercedes, I think there's money in a Jay Cargo Mercedes Monet match and feud because when you talk about personality, uh, just all around great just everything all around, I think those two are both stars in their own right. They have the look, they have the feel, and you got Tony Storm working 
We've yet to see Jade versus Tony Storm. We would love to see Mercedes versus Tony Storm. Uh, Sheeta versus Jade. Uh, Mercedes versus Sheeta. Um, you know, we never saw Jade versus Britt Baker. Um, we could possibly see that. So I think once you get Mercedes in there in the mix and you get Jade in the mix, the women's division will also have star, more star power, more like big time players. And now they have all the wrestling talent there. And there's also, I mean, Britt Baker, but she's not a wrestling talent in my opinion. Um, speaking of which, tonight is Britt Baker's debut, Collision debut. Hey, I am not excited. But I'm sure somebody is excited out here. And guess what? The match should be good tonight. Um, anytime Sheeta's around, it's awesome. And yeah, so um, if you're into that sort of thing tonight, the Outcasts, Rayo, Ruby Soho, and Tony Storm take on Statlander, Britt Baker, and Hikaru Sheeta. So big six woman match tonight on I think there. The, uh, the, maybe the Outcasts end tonight. Yeah, I think it's a wrap. Tony Storm. I will say Tony Storm's been killing her fucking gimmick, man. She is fucking killing amazing. it. It's one of my favorite things that I've seen probably in the last ten fucking years. It's so she's, fucking good. Yeah, she's so awesome at this, and you would have never guessed she'd be so awesome at this. That's the you thing. Know? You would have never guessed that she had this in her. I don't know. Maybe someone will educate us. I feel like she's never done anything like this before, anywhere. Like she's always been the you know whatever, backward sideways hat, rock star yep. kind of yeah, I, nothing like this. Tony Storm is just so goddamn amazing in this fucking role. Absolutely love, love it. Man. You know, I don't know if she's ever done anything like this before. I don't know where it came from. I can't wait to hear the story on where it fucking came from. Um, just amazing. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask because I'm curious to know. What, what it is. I'll say this. Tony Storm has a lot of things going for her. She's a very beautiful woman. She is, has, you know, she's charismatic. She plays the damsel in distress. The, 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 the character she has, she plays it very well. Um, but I'm anxious. To, I'm anxious to see what, what happens with her as the, the outcasts go their separate ways, but they need to go their separate ways ASAP. But Another thing I want to touch on is what is happening with Richard Starks, a.k.a. Absolute Ricky Starks. Does, you know, does one think does one think that we are about to be bamboozled tonight and someone will show up to save Ricky Steamboat from the challenge of a strap match at All Out? It just seems like we're continuing the story that Punk and Ricky started. So if that was the case, logically, Punk and Ricky should be on a path to maybe possibly and so finishing tonight, their story. Starks is supposed to be challenging Ricky Steamboat to a strap match at All Out. It just, and you know, I've said this before and they've seen fit to come through and let me down. Um, it just feels unbelievable that they would not have Punk come out and be like, oh, you want to challenge him to a strap match? Challenge me to a strap match, motherfucker. That had to have been the original plan. So All Out, let's say collisions tonight, but All Out is tomorrow. And I've 
have no thing, nothing to really say about the card. I'm not really interested in the card personally. And um, I, I don't want to. So I know a lot of people are excited about Shane Taylor versus Samoa Joe. I've seen it on wrestling Twitter. Okay, You're alone so, in that. So yeah, exactly. Hold on here. Cause I, I promised people that I was going to go in on the subject. I, not to be super basic cliche or take or take fire away from people who who are good at this stuff and serious more you know who do this stuff but I, there's only having the one women's match and not featuring Athena who is arguably the best women's wrestler going right now on a show where you're putting other cold ring of honor acts on the fucking show for $50 is just absolutely fucking inexcusable it's fucking inexcusable we have talked on this show before but the, all the the reason that the women don't get as much run is because they're not over but they're not over because the company hasn't put any creative energy or any resources behind them well guess what now we're putting on a fucking 50 dollars show where you're putting other individuals who are not who are cold and not over to the larger viewing audience such as dark order such as the Shane Taylor Joe Samoa Joe match. So therefore, your excuse of oh we're only put right because that was the excuse when um what was uh, Russell Lyric right that's her name the young lady who asked uh, uh, yeah Lyric Wrestling yeah Lyric Wrestling yep when Lyric Wrestling acts asked Tony Khan about this after All In his excuse was basically well we put the big, most over people on the show. That's really what he was saying. He didn't want to say it directly, but that's what he was saying. Well, that's not the fucking case on this fucking show. So there's no goddamn excuse to not have Athena on here doing something, doing anything. That would make me want to buy the show because Athena is so fucking good and is on such a hot streak right now. There's no fucking excuse to be putting cold Ring of Honor angles on this pay-per-view and not have the best women's wrestler going right now on the fucking show. No excuse. I agree. Uh, I think Athena, Willow, several people um, need to be more, more of the focus. And I know several people who agree with me that work in AEW. So, um, and they kind of have the power to make that happen, but we'll see. Um, um, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, Shane Taylor's cool. Um, I have no issue with <laughs> with Shane Taylor getting a shot at any title and dealing with uh uh what's you know I don't know uh what Shane Taylor's MO is. I didn't, I never would have thought I'd seen Shane Taylor wrestle on an AEW pay-per-view for one. Um, at least not in this context. I think it's obvious. I hope that Joe beats him, but there is a very, very like possible thing that, that Shane Taylor beats Joe. Let me, let me be perfectly clear. I like I like Shane Taylor. I like Samoa Joe. I'm looking forward to the match. That's not what that I'm getting at here. That's not what I'm getting at here. 
I'm I will personally enjoy the match. I'm excited to see Shane Taylor on a pay-per-view. I'm excited to see him go against Samoa Joe. I like those kind of matches. I like both the guys in it. It's not what I'm talking about here. It's the excuse of not putting the women on these shows because they're not as over, but then this act, this angle, this match is extremely cold to your larger viewing audience. So if this gets to be on the pay-per-view, then Athena damn fucking sure should. I agree. Um, I don't know what the thought process behind All Out was. I, I, It feels like an ROH pay-per-view with... AEW co-starring, if that makes sense. It doesn't feel like an AEW pay-per-view. And while I think Orange Cassidy and Moxley will close the show, which I think it might, it, it can end up being the best match of the night. Um, it has the potential to do that. That's uh, great. I just don't feel like All Out is grabbing me. If I had 50 bucks to spare, I don't right now. At least not yet. But if I have 50 bucks to spare, I don't think I would put that on this pay-per-view because I don't feel like it's worth the 50 bucks. I think Tony Khan missed the boat on a couple things. I think the the Bucks and FTR teaming together versus BC Gold is okay, but it doesn't move me like that. I think the match would be great, but it's not something that I'm like, this. that's a dynamite main event. That's a collision main event. You know, I feel like this is just a big dynamite show. Like, like Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor, it could be a totally cool match if you had it as the main event of Ring of Honor. If you had it in, like, the middle of Dynamite, you had it on, like, the middle of Collision, it would work. But I just don't feel like it works as, like, a, a pay-per-view match. So my, a, a match you pay 50 bucks for. I don't feel like... I think Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho is going to be great. But once again, you could have did that match in Wembley if you wanted to. Also, you could have did that. Like, there's nothing wrong with having two women's matches on one fucking show. There's Fuck nothing no. wrong with having three women's matches on a fucking show if you wanted to, because you can find a way to display Statlander, Ruby, uh, Tony Storm, Sheeta, Athena, Willow. You can find ways to have these women featured. Sky Blues and I think you have Britt Baker if you want. You have enough, you know, like. There's a lot of women who you can showcase. So having just one match is so limiting and so ridiculous to me. I just think it's, it's just especially really when your usual go-to excuse is non as a non-fucking factor here. Clearly, yep. I don't want to hear shit about oh the women do less numbers or they're less over. Well, you're putting fucking mid-card Ring of Honor acts on this show, which cool, good for them. I hope they do a great job. Good for them getting the payday, but there's no fucking excuse. There's fucking none. You have undermined your own usual go-to excuse by by doing this. So, yeah, man, it's it's a fucking failure. And I I I like I said, I think the matches themselves will be great. But usually, what excites me about a match before it happens is that it's a match I want to see. Yeah, I'm looking at this all-out card. And not a single match here stands out as one where I'm like, it's must-see for me. Because, so here's the thing. I think All In and All Out being back-to-back as separate pay-per-views, terrible idea. 
if you did they had all a in chance. on pay-per-view, they had a chance to to make it they had work for them, and they completely fucking just let it go right by them. So yeah, now it has turned out to be a Tony pretty bad Khan, idea. Yeah, so I know Tony Khan was like, "Oh, I attempted to do a uh, a bundle and it didn't work." Let's be clear. AEW will be on Max, the Max streaming service, if the Max streaming service is still live, next year. So you'll probably get one of these on Max, if not both of these. But when you have a card that says Luchasaurus versus Darby Allin, um, Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley, Omega versus Takeshita, Bullet Club Gold versus FTR and the Bucks, Adam Cole and MJF versus the Dark Order, Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor, Eddie Kingston and Shibata versus Claudio and Yuta. This is not a horrible card. It's just not the best fucking card for a pay-per-view to spend 50 bucks on. Now, the matches that I I, I, I feel will be the best tomorrow are going to be Omega, Takeshita, uh, FTR and the Bucks versus BC Gold and Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. The one match here that I'm super excited for out of all of them Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs. You got, as Big E would say, big meaty men slap meat. You got Samoa Joe and Shane Taylor, two big boys, and you got Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs. They got some two, that's Hoss, some Hoss matches right there. And that's great. I just don't really care about the Samoa Joe and Shane Taylor matches because there's no heat there. That's also, there's no heat. There's nothing, it's just put together. You know, he just won a tournament. Like, oh, you won a tournament. Yeah, you're, you're like, you know, it's just nothing there. Where at least with Miro and Hobbs, there's a little bit of something there. And, you know, the Moxley and Orange Cassidy thing has been there. Uh, I think it's obvious, though, that we're going to get Eddie Kingston versus Moxley at Grand Slam. I think that's where this is headed. Um, because, it, I mean, I, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I think that's where this is headed. Um, maybe they do it at full gear because I think that would be what full gear 2020 was when Moxley and Kingston had a, a match, I think. So maybe they want to do it then to just, you know, you know, AEW is really big on like this is the anniversary or something. So we're going to do it again. Um, but yeah, looking at the card, man, like I said, it's not something that I would spend 50 bucks on. Um, 20, maybe, you know, if it was 20, maybe um, if they did a deal where it was like, you know, 50 and you know, 75 for both shows. I could see that. You know, I could see that because um, I think all in was worth 50 bucks. Not that I paid 50 bucks for it, but, you know. I thought it was worth it. And then you got Miro and, and it's a powerhouse. You got Statlander and Ruby, which should be a good match. Like all these matches on paper are probably going to be great in-ring matches. It's just that I just don't care about any of them. I think, like I said, Miro and Hobbs, um, that's the one I'm excited about. Orange Cassidy and John Moxley. I don't know how often they've had a singles match between each, between each other before. So... I, 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 that's exciting. Uh, I think Eddie Kingston and Shibata versus Claudio and Yuta should be a really good match, a uh, really good tag team match. But once again, these are, you know, you got the Ring of Honor world champion in Claudio. You got Samoa Joe, the Ring of Honor TV champ. You got the Ring of Honor tag team champion. This is a Ring of Honor show mixed in with AEW. That's yeah, just what except it is. for and one champion okay. from Ring of Honor. What the fuck? Their best one. What are we it's doing? What the fuck? Fuck. You are not beating the charges. AEW. This is not helping. And that's it. You know. And it is what it is, man. Like I said, it is what it is. AEW, they know the criticisms of them. And instead of saying, I don't get why people are criticizing us, should do something to make a change. 
about those criticisms. And it's that simple. So um, all out collision tonight, uh, all out tomorrow. Um, it's not the most exciting time to be an AEW fan, but I have a good feeling that the full gear cycle will be pretty good. I feel like it's pretty good. So well, let's we just gotta make it through tomorrow. Hope. <laughs> um speaking of things that would be pretty good, Apollo told me a little bit about it the other night on our NFL pod. You guys got a new fucking album right out, correct? Uh yes, 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 yes. Uh straight out of a comic book, which is our comic book inspired I mean, it's full fully disclosure. I did not read comic books like that growing up. I was in the streets growing up, so I did not spend a lot of time reading comic books. I did read a lot of other books, uh, but just not comic books. And however, Apollo is a huge comic. He's he's a huge comic fan. He's he's you know comic guy, anime guy. So so was our uh, our guy Pegs and, and and Shaggy. They they're big comic guys. And so we decided to create something which has production. From AW uh, coordinator Will Washington uh, on the album, actually, he did a Spider Man inspired song for us. Um, oh, shit. Shout out to All Will right. for that. And um, yeah, man, it's it's straight out of a comic book. I I it, it, we went through a lot of uh, red tape legally behind this because you know we had a couple of things we had to take out, uh, some comic book samples and some comic movie stuff that we couldn't actually get cleared and actually put through. So um, it was supposed to come out back in like May or June, uh, but now it's out in September. And, you know, Comic-Con hits Baltimore and, and San Diego and all that stuff during this time. So uh, I think it was a great, you know, great time to put it out. So go check it out. Um, you know, it, it's uh, we got another project coming. And I announced that my last, I believe my last solo album was coming out in 2024, um and but in the meantime me and apollo we have a group a, a duo album with me and him um coming out sometime in the fall we're it's basically done we're just tweaking a couple things you know we're perfectionists we like to you know tweak stuff like that so a uh, lot of stuff on the horizon for for uh for the dar brand um musically and beyond that so there you go there you go um also on the feed where this is at Go ahead and look back for our Bray Wyatt Terry Funk Memorial. It did awesome numbers. Got a lot of good feedback. Glad you guys liked it. Um, as well as this week, we did the AFC West and the AFC East in our NFL divisional previews. Um, so check that out too. If you are so inclined to the football side of things, um, albums, pods, all manner of things. Uh, I hope the shows go well this weekend. The world of DAR, boy, it never stops.